All right. So tonight uh, I'm going to attempt to answer one of the biggest questions um, that has ever been asked in humankind, as far as I'm aware, and I think that uh, you guys would probably agree with me, because that question is, what is the meaning of life? What's the point? To live is Christ, but to die is gain, right? Philippians 1.21 is the first verse there. Why should I keep living if dying is a gain? I mean, it says it in the verse, right? I don't know about you, but there have definitely been some days uh, where I've been really down. I've felt anxiety. I've felt uh, depressed and just down in the dumps. And I've been so down and so depressed, so defeated, so hopeless that I would rather die than to wake up the next day and live another 24. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to take a moment um, just to acknowledge you and to sit at your feet, Lord, to be in your presence. God, so often uh, we go through life and just go through the motions. We pray a little prayer here, pray a prayer there, ask for something here, ask for something there, give thanks for something here, a little something there. But God, I want to take a second to just be and just feel your presence, Lord. I pray tonight for this lesson. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a heavy one on my heart, God. And um, I feel that you definitely got an important message, Lord, to tell us. Um, so I pray that you would help us as we go through this to be able to hear what you're speaking uh, to us about our lives individually. Uh, just as we stopped and got to take a second to look at everything that, or every way that we feel your love individually in our lives, um, somewhere similar to each other, but all of them are unique in some way or another. And God, just as those are all unique, uh, everything um, that we hear or has a unique meaning to us from your word. Um, and I thank you that your word is alive and that it's active, that it's current today. And I pray that you would just help us as we go through this. Um, help me to say the right words that you would have me to say. Um, and God, I pray that you would um, not let them hear my voice, God, but that they would hear your words. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Here we go. <laughs> so I have uh, witnessed my parents go from uh, loving each other to hating each other. I've watched uh, my family in many different ways crumble around me and take sides turning against everyone. And there I was in the middle, just stuck. Not knowing what to do. Wishing I could go, but having nowhere to run to. Nowhere but the Father's arms. If only I would have done that instead of running away from him. If only I would have ran to God's arms instead of the world's offer of comfort and happiness. If only... But I didn't. I watched my only family that I liked at the time, my siblings, <laughs> move away and distance themselves from my family's brokenness. And then I moved out here to Oklahoma and watched my whole world crumble around me. Friends lost touch, leaving me literally by myself, not knowing anyone with nothing but a basketball team that I had just met to communicate with. I didn't even like going to that because I hated running and was terrible, uh, very out of shape. Ironic, actually, because I was 
running from my problems every single day <laughs> as much as I hated it. I watched my school fall apart, which was impressive as I was homeschooled, so it was just me. <laughs> I watched myself plunge into depression as I searched for anything that could bring me any comfort from the darkness. And isn't it funny how whenever darkness covers our life, we often look to darkness to help us, to comfort us? Why don't we just look at the light, the light who can brighten even the darkest of nights? I watched my dad get remarried and then my mom next, uh, shortly after. I watched as they seemed to move on into happiness while I was still sitting there asking what I was supposed to do with a destroyed life and no hope in sight. I mean, what was a 13-year-old supposed to do? Like, what would you have done? You know, you're 13 and everything is different. And at this point, I had never really encountered Jesus. I mean, I had grown up in church. I had said a little prayer, went to church my entire life, um, counted myself saved, and believed I was. I memorized scriptures in Awana. Most of you guys know what that is. Even won an award for Bible quizzing once. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I seemed like the perfect, perfect, innocent little Bible church kid. I had all this, but I was missing the one thing that made it all matter. If you put together a toy, right, let's say a toy car, like a big one, you know, like the ones that they, like little kids get to drive around in, right? And you assemble it all, and you leave out the battery, what's going to happen to it? Nothing. Nothing? That's right. It's just going to sit there. It's going to do absolutely nothing. And that's exactly what had happened with my Bible knowledge. I knew God's words, but I didn't know the one who had spoken them. I was missing Jesus, the one thing that makes all the other things have any kind of meaning. I hadn't been able to use the scriptures to find comfort because I was missing the one who makes it all useful. And I can tell you this, without knowing Jesus, the scripture isn't going to help you that much. It may comfort you and make you feel all good inside, make you feel comfortable, safe, but that's not the point of our lives. Our point is not to feel good. So what is the point? Our point, the point to life, the point of being alive, the meaning of life, whatever you want to call it, <coughs> is to, are you ready for this? It's to be like Jesus. Mind blown. <laughs> First time you've ever heard that, right? You never, nobody's ever heard that, right? No? Cool, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you guys probably all have. <laughs> well, I'd heard that as well. But tonight we're going to dive a little deeper uh, than that. Okay? And I don't know about you, but I kind of hate when preachers tell me stuff like that. Like the meaning of life is to be like Jesus. Uh, why? Because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Jesus is quite a bit different than I am. He is quite a bit better uh, than I am. And he's pretty cool. Uh... And, like, what does that even mean? Did Jesus sleep on his stomach or his back? I don't know. Did Jesus eat vegetables or fruit? Like, what does being like Jesus mean, <laughs> you know? Well, while I don't think the Bible tells us much uh, about what the Son of God ate or how he slept, uh, although it mentions that he did nap, so naps are awesome. <laughs> 
but let's look at some of the things that Jesus did, since that what we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Being like Jesus. Here's the first one, and it's a very big one. Our job, the point, as Christians, is to fight sin, death, and sickness. To bring hope to a broken and desperate world. We are supposed to be like Jesus, and that's exactly what Jesus did. That's what his disciples did as well. Somebody read uh, Luke 4, 1 through 13 there. Don't all jump out. Mm. <laughs> I don't know first, I guess. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were tempted, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Thank you, Stephen. <clears throat> Bravo. That was like the longest one, too. So. <laughs> Good job, Stephen. Good job, Stephen. Wow, no one else clapped. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to take it back to the beginning of something that we just skipped right over. Uh, just a little nugget, if you will. It says, Jesus and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, and that's important. <clears throat> Dwelling with the Spirit, like just praying and being still, just taking a moment to spend with God, that gets you full of the Holy Spirit. That revitalizes you. There's a lot that I want to go into there, but we'll save that for another time because <laughs> we need to move on. Um, but I want to look here at Jesus being tempted, right? Just really quick. Because the devil is coming at him, and he he tempts him a few times uh, in pretty much every like aspect of human need, you know, sleep, hunger, etc. But what does God do whenever he tempts him? He says, it is written. Why is that important? What's the question? Why is it important that it says it is written? Jesus, every time Jesus answers the devil, he so says it is written. So whenever he faces with a problem, he just goes to the Bible and like with scripture, and just shows what to do. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it is written. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty close. Uh, because God said that, and not even Satan himself can argue <clears throat> with God. Matthew sixteen eight here says, But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? He knew, like, you don't need bread, you need the Holy Spirit. That's how we live. 
And that's more important than anything that this world has to offer, even bread when we're starving and haven't eaten in 40 days. Although I uh, doubt any of us have gone 40 days without eating. <laughs> I know I have not. <laughs> so whenever he's tempted, God goes back to the word. It is written. Because that's the word of Almighty God. And we have power over sin, and we are meant to use it for ourselves and to speak life over fellow believers around us. That's why he says every time it is written. Next is death. So someone read uh, Acts 9, 36 through 42. That's not Stephen. <laughs> and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power, or whatever that word is, we have made him walk. In his name by faith, in his name has made the man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the pro- in the presence of you all. Down there, too. Uh, no, you're good. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'll remember that for later. Um... No, you're good, you're good. I think I had another verse in mind, though. That's okay. He's Aaron, you're messing up your Yeah, read... That was my bad. Read uh, Acts 9, if you would. 936-342. I'm going to bring it up here, too. There it is. <laughs> I had the total wrong verse down. I was close to Acts 9. I'll read this one. Um, all right, well, that's going to be... Okay, that's going to be a bit. <laughs> all right. We'll start in Acts 9, 36. It says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows stood around him, crying and showing him... All the widows, sorry. <laughs> All the widows stood around him. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Contacts. <laughs> All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. 
and I think it's interesting here that it says Peter made them all leave the room. He wanted to be alone with God. And God hears his prayer in that room by himself. Well, how could we ever do something like this, right? Like, do we have the power to raise people from the dead? We're not, Peter. And that's true. We're not. But all of us Christians have the exact same Holy Spirit that Peter had. Exact same. God's the same forever. Today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He never changes, never has, and never will. We may not ever be called to raise someone from the dead, but if we are, we can do it because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us right here and right now, all the time. And that's how Peter raised this woman from the dead. He didn't do anything. It's not like Peter had the power to raise people from the dead. The Holy Spirit did because God had victory over death and has victory over death. (coughs) And when we believe in God, we then have that same power through Jesus. And it wasn't because he was an apostle uh, an apostle either, but it was because he believed in the power of Jesus to raise people from the dead. And likewise, even if we never physically raise someone from the dead, we can raise people spiritually from the dead by sharing Jesus with them. So the last one is sickness. And do I have Matthew 10 one on here? I think I might have skipped that one too. There were so many verses while yeah, preparing. I do have Matthew 10 one. <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead and read 10 one. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave Not him. Not you, Logan. You're Ooh. already read. <laughs> <laughs> Thank also, you, Logan. 10 one is all on here. Yeah, it is. Second page. It's at the top. It's just one verse. It's okay. Contact him, tell (laughs) And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits and cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Okay, read it again. What? (laughs) (laughs) And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Over what? Unclean spirits. Mm -hmm. To cast them out. To do what? To cast them out mm-hmm. and to heal every disease and every. every Which disease? Every. 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 Are you sure? Yes. That's Wasn't it misprint? No. Sure about that. I mean, you're the one. Yes. I don't know. No, I promise you it's not a misprint. <coughs> it says that he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So let's read Acts 3.12. I think I got them out of order is what happened. I think that one's... Yep, there it is. <laughs> I already read that. But have some, have some uh, grace, okay? It was the first time that I've ever printed out stuff. <laughs> I'm new to the printing. No, not really. But I wish I had that excuse. Um, yeah, Logan did already read that, though. read it again? Uh, sure, go for it. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people... Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety? Or how do you say yeah, that? Yeah, piety. We have made him walk. In his name, by it, faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith <coughs> that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. Thank you. And that I did skip some verses there in between. There's some conversation. But what I wanted to point out 
was that it says, Why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter knew that his power wasn't himself. It was from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All right, someone else read Acts 4, 29 through 31. That's the one right below it. I'll volunteer. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Way to step forward. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed <coughs> through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Nice. We see here that God gives us the power to do this stuff. We just got to ask him to do so. To ask that his power be revealed to us and that we may extend his arm of healing to others. It says, um, right here, continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant jesus does this mean that every person will be healed isaiah 55 8 which i don't have on there because again i missed it <laughs> but it says for i told you there's a lot of verses tonight <laughs> which uh is good because the bible says it better than i could it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord maybe god's plan isn't to heal you right then or now but we are still to pray fervently for them according to Luke 18, 1 through 8, which I do believe I have on the next page. No. Ha! Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys got lucky, because that means I have to read it. <laughs> Let's take a look at Luke 18, and it is 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow, not window, but a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, This is Jesus telling this parable. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So we, it says here that we are to keep praying. As it says, when Jesus comes, will he find anyone with faith on this earth? Will he find people who are praying constantly, day in and day out? You know, do things really matter enough to us to take a few minutes out of our day to pray for him? A few minutes before we go to bed to pray for him? What about when we get up the next day and we pray again and the next day? What about when it turns into a week that we've been praying? What about a month or a year? Will we have faith to keep praying? That's a question that all of us have to answer. So we should pray con consistently and constantly. We should also ask for God's will to be done, because as it says, God's will is not our will, and our will is not God's will. That's what's ultimately going to be the best for everyone. 
So earlier I gave you some of uh, the life struggles that I've watched happen around me, but perhaps the most difficult happened a few years back. And when I was 16, um, I watched my father pass away. It was actually two days ago, um, three years ago, sorry, the three year anniversary was two days ago. Um, and I was broken. I was crushed, actually. I had worked for the past several years to restore the broken relationship that me and my dad had. And then just as we were not only on like good terms, but we were actually starting to grow together, he was gone. Just like that. I would never see his smile again or hear his laugh, only replaying memories over and over, wishing I could have had just a little bit longer with him so he could have seen me finish high school or go to college. God had a different plan than mine, and his ways were not the same as mine, that is for sure. But it has caused so many positive reactions to occur within me that it has radically and totally changed who I am at the core. God used that to prepare me three years ago for what my life mission would become. <clears throat> Sometimes God's will isn't to heal someone, but if that's his will, then we have to believe that that will somehow work together with other things for our overall good and for the good of those around us. Because I know going through that was not what I would have ever wanted, but I would have never known that that's the very thing that would push me out of my limits, out of my boundaries to talk to people or to uh, love other people like today was my last day here. That would have never realized that if I hadn't have gone through that. And now he gets to be with Jesus. So, I mean, Jesus is probably a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> But that leads me to the last main point that I want to make. The last point is to be obedient, to be open to his will. That is the point of our life. And we must strive to fulfill the purpose God has set before us until our race is finished. Sometimes it may be uncomfortable, and sometimes you may frankly <coughs> just not want to do it. Sometimes you may not feel ready to do it. Uh, but sometimes you just got to take the next step until he reveals more of the picture to you. And I promise you, it will be more fulfilling than anything you had planned or had hoped for. Um, I wanted to tell a quick example here. In my life in the past when this happened was actually just a few months after my dad had passed away. It was like April, I think. I was ending my junior year, going into senior year, which everybody, as you all know, and Beth, I'm sure you've experienced a lot this year, everybody's asking you, what are you going to do next? Where are you going? What do you have planned for your life? You know, you get it like five million times before you graduate and then another million after you graduate. And then if you go to college, you get it a, a bunch after that because everybody's like, oh, what's your degree? Oh, what you want to do with it? I still get that, <laughs> which is fine. People want to know about you. Uh, but my plan was to play baseball in college. That's the plan I had set out for my life since I was like 13 and starting to get into like trying to figure out how I was going to go to college because it's stinking expensive. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, oh, well, I want to play baseball and I want to uh, get a scholarship on that. And so I started working with my dad. He started setting up um, appointments for me with like coaches and things, 
getting uh, the level of training that I needed to to be able to prepare to go into college. Like I was putting forth the effort, doing my best, and trying my hardest to get to the point where I needed to be. That was my plan. And then my father passed away in February, February 12th. And then in April, a couple months later, I think um, they're about, I was sitting on my bed one night and just like out of nowhere, I just had like this epiphany that was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was, I was really like thinking, taking a moment to reflect, kind of like we did earlier, but it was just reflecting on my own life. Like, what do I want out of life? Why am I here? Like, do I just want to go to baseball and play baseball for four years and get a degree? Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but is that what I want with my life? And that was what I wanted with my life before my dad passed. And then his passing really, like I said, it opened my eyes up to love other people and to show compassion to others going through tough times. And I realized that my mission was not to play baseball and to go through college. Because when you're in sports, I won't take too long on this, and Steven, you might know some of this as well, but when you're in sports in college, like especially if you're at a D1 university, like ORU is that I was planning on going to play for, you stay 110% of the time busy. You you wake up, you go to workouts, you go to breakfast, you go to morning classes, you go to um, afternoon classes, lunch in between there maybe, um, you go to afternoon workouts, you have practice in the evening, and then you have like two hours to do homework before you have to go to bed, get six hours of sleep, get up and do it again for four years. Like there is zero time <coughs> for people in your life, except for your teammates. And that's okay for some people. Some people want that. Some people are called to do that. That's awesome. But I was like, if I'm going to show God's love to people and shed compassion on them, I can't be busy, you know, a million hours out of every week, which like I'm already super busy and I'm just a regular college student. <laughs> like, I can't imagine how busy I'd be if I was an athlete. And so as I was reflecting on that, I had to ask myself, and I wasn't as super, like, uh, I wasn't a super Bible student. I wasn't like, is this God's will or is this my will? <laughs> I wish I would have been, but I was like, is this what I want from life? And I think God definitely did influence me uh, and convince me that I didn't want baseball because I was really set on it. Uh, but he was like, that's not what I've put you here for. Go and do that. And I was like, yeah, but baseball. <laughs> you like, go and do that. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's cool too. <laughs> and so here I am in college and not in baseball. And that's okay because it has been an amazing journey. And I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people. I've still gotten to talk to all you guys and more people. Um, and I love that. Like, it's awesome. Uh, but I never would have done that if I would have gone through with my plan. So I want to take a quick second to uh, tell you a story, kind of. It's a story I made up. So imagine you're trying to teach a person to walk, okay? Uh, let's say they broke their leg or something. It won't get too gruesome, but... Can I hang on for a second? Yeah, Well, then you should be able to relate greatly to this. So let's say they broke their leg. Like, I just karate chopped him. His leg's gone, okay? <laughs> Now, they, after that, they'd have to learn to walk normally again, right? I don't, I don't, I'm sure you guys 
have known someone's broken their leg or at least have heard about it. Like, you got to go through physical therapy, stuff like that. And, you know, it takes a while, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it takes work. So anyways, let's say that you are the physical therapist for this person, okay? They've broken their leg. You're the guy to come to. Um, now, as the therapist, what do you think your main goal is? For someone that just broke their leg, they come to you. What is your goal? To give them strength. Little, yeah, make them walk again. To make them believe that they can actually do it. Mm-hmm. All good things. All good things. Um, I was looking for Stephen's answer a little uh, less awesome. You guys gave even better answers. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Stephen. <laughs> no, those are all good answers. Um, but your goal is to get a person to walk again. Uh, that's your physical therapist. Like you said, to make them believe they can do it, to give them hope, and to be able to like, send them out on their way. And, and strength. Yes. What does HCSB stand for? Oh my gosh. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, it stands for the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Okay. I really like Holman. Yeah, quick side note. If you haven't ever read the Holman Bible, it's really cool, and I highly recommend it. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's not a basketball team. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. So presumably this person that has broken their leg wants to walk again, right? We'll just presume that they want to. <laughs> now, suppose you tell them to get out of their wheelchair <coughs> and try to take a step. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use Steven's fist again. Okay. Lean in here, Steven. You're ready, Steven. Break your leg. All right. So I'm gonna break your leg, and you're gonna. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. You? Yes. Now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's perfect. Okay, so imagine Steven's this person, and I am the physical therapist. He's broken his leg. He's in pain. Ow. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Steven, uh, get out of your wheelchair. This is his wheelchair here, okay? I would have had a real wheelchair, but I don't have any, so fresh out. <laughs> Try to take a step. Don't fall through the table. <laughs> Steven's looking at me, and he's just, he's doing nothing. He's, he's just kind of chilling. Very intently. <laughs> uh, is there something I can help you with? He's doing what? Okay, perfect, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you sit there and you ask him, is there something wrong? Like, why aren't you, you know, doing anything? <laughs> And they respond with, I'm okay. He says, I'm okay, great. <laughs> uh, and he's waiting for me to tell him what his next step is, right? So I'm going to tell you, use your arms and try to uh, get up and try to take a step. And right here. Try. I'm waiting for still the waiting. Step. You're not even doing anything at <laughs> all. Can I be the receptionist? Perfect. That's exactly the point. So you wait for them to move, and he sits again motionless. And he's staring deep into my soul right now. It's great. And 
can't. So at this point, you're confused. Why aren't they trying to walk? Why aren't they doing anything? Don't they want to be able to run again? Don't they want to be able to walk? So I ask him again what he's waiting for. And he tells me, I'm just waiting for you to tell me what my next step is. <laughs> so I go, okay, if you will stand up and take one step, you will be able to start walking again. That's it. You just got to get up and take one step and you'll be able to walk again. So at this news, he'd get pretty excited, right? Like, he's only got to take one step. I mean, usually it takes months to recover from this stuff. They'll be able to walk again after just one step. It's fantastic. So Stephen goes, okay. Okay. All I have to do is get up and take a step, right? So I'm waiting a few seconds. And there he remains, seated firmly in his seat. Just looking at me. <laughs> so you ask them a third time what they're waiting for. And he says, I'm just waiting for you to move me. Well, at least it's not the same answer again. Relieved that they're processing the information, at least, you explain to them that if you move their legs for them, they will never be able to walk again. The news is hard to hear, and they reply with, well, I guess I'll just make do with this wheelchair. Standing up sounds really tough. Been there before. <laughs> I don't want to risk hurting anything more than it already is. I want to play it safe. And they wheel away in his imaginary wheelchair that he's not going to go anywhere. Never walking again. And never making progress. He remains in his wheelchair. Now, I want to pose this question to you. Feel free to answer. Is that person immobilized? Is Stephen immobilized, imagining he's in a wheelchair and not this comfy couch chair? <laughs> it says a comfy couch, by the way. Thank you. I think so, too. <laughs> <coughs> Is he immobilized? That's a trick question. No, just an, he's in a wheelchair. Immobilized means you cannot move at all. I'm glad you explained that to me. Is, is he immobilized? <laughs> what do you think, Steve? I think. Can you, could, if you were in a wheelchair, could you move from there to that doorway? I mean, assuming there wasn't a table. I roll and Exactly. He's not immobilized, right? They're in a wheelchair. Is that what you, remember imagining we're the physical therapist, is that what you had as your goal, was for him to wheel away? No. No. You wanted them to walk again so they could live to their fullest potential, to get back to their life. Are they still living? Yes, but not to their fullest potential. Now, I have to take a quick second and just add for a disclaimer that... If someone is in a wheelchair, that doesn't mean they're lazy or anything like that, okay? Uh, I don't mean wheelchairs are bad. It's just an analogy, okay? Don't get too mad. Uh, but it also says that good things can sometimes get in the way of realizing our true potential. Maybe things aren't terrible right now. Maybe they're all good. That's awesome. But I also want to insert a warning that just says, be careful not to become complacent so as to sit back down in your wheelchair and you return to your safety net. But here's the point that I really want to drive home with this story. You will have to take the next step. 
Some of you might be staring at your life and going, I'm going to be patient and wait for God's next step. I'm waiting. I'm okay. God's just taking some time. It's all good. Still waiting. And you go through months of waiting. And still waiting. Why am I still waiting? <laughs> They're just months on end of waiting. But perhaps, perhaps, God has already laid it out in front of you. And you just have to take that first step. Be willing to step out upon crushing waters of unknown territory to stand up from this comfy couch, which I really don't want to do. <laughs> oh, his legs are losing feeling as we speak. <laughs> Didn't mean to get psychological there. You can still walk, Steve. <laughs> this reminds me of Peter, though. So Peter is out fishing one day. We see the account in Matthew 14, 28 through 31, which I hope I have it's on best here. best turn to read. Do I have on here? Yes, it is, and it's the HCSB. Your what? favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 14, 28 through 33. Oh, that's a long Get one. to the second one, yep. Yeah. Beth's got it, though. I believe in her. I believe in her. <laughs> Whatever you What? <laughs> Said whenever you're ready. Lord, and then to you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and fly me out of the boat, or out of the boat. My, or Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said unto him, we are you a little faith. Why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thank you, Beth. So Peter is out fishing with the boys, right? He's having a good time. And all of a sudden, they look out and they see a figure approaching their boat. Which I don't know about you, but if I was out fishing with the boys and saw a figure walking on the water, I would probably, uh, no, I'd probably faint. I'd probably drive away. Because it would be a motorized boat. Oh, you're right. 21st century thinking right there. (laughs) Uh, Like, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, what's going on? But Jesus comes up and he's like, hey, it's just me, guys. Don't, don't worry. And then we see Peter, and he's like, not as afraid as I would have been, because obviously he responds. But he says, Lord, if it's you, he's kind of cautious. He's like, if this is really you, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus is like, bet, come. And he's like, okay. (laughs) So climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water, started running towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is our first example of Jesus giving us the step to take. And I want to look here at just 
two words. I'll read the sentence around it, though. Um, but it says right here, Peter uh, asks him, you know, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then look at what it says here. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. It doesn't say he said, okay, ask me again. Like, no, Jesus asked him, and then he climbed out of the boat. There's a divine command from Jesus, and there's a human reaction from Peter. Maybe God's calling you to do something a bit scary. Maybe it's something you don't feel like you're ready for. You're looking around, and you're seeing the wind and the crashing waves. And I think that this is our reminder that we got to keep our eyes on Jesus during those times. When we take our eyes off of him, even for a split second, when we take our eyes off of him, we start noticing the wind. We start noticing the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the depression, the uncertainty, the impossibility, the inadequacy, the insecurity, the list goes on. We see the strength of our flaws. We see the waves. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, all we see is his glory his peace, his certainty, his confidence, his love. We see the strength of his spirit and not the strength of our flaws. Keep your eyes on him. And I want to look at the last part of um, that verse. I don't think this part gets a lot of attention, but let's read uh, verse 32 again. Somebody. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you're the Son of God. Mm -hmm. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. What do you think that means? The storm stopped. Yeah. Seems pretty self-explanatory, right? The wind ceased. No big deal. Except to me, it just showed that God is always in control. Jesus, he bends the winds to his will. And the water obeyed his every command. Right? When Jesus calls you, so often it's out onto crashing waves, onto uncertainty, where the water is deep and the stakes are high. But when you're tempted to look at the chaos around you, just remind yourself that Jesus is in control at all times, and even if it's rough now, it will get better. As soon as Jesus got into the boat and the trial was over for Peter, the wind ceased. God was in control the whole time. But he wants us to be willing to serve him when the waves are crashing and our safety nets are gone, not when it's calm and peaceful. Although that's important as well. Because that's when we have to rely on Jesus to save us. I think that's why Jesus says Peter had little faith. I mean, to me, it takes a lot of faith to step out on the water and expect not to sink. Like, if I step out on the water, you know, I know I'm going down. <laughs> and maybe I'm crazy, but that doesn't seem normal to me to just hop out of your boat and start, you know, running on top of the water. But I think that what God is really saying is that Peter forgot the single most important thing out of the whole situation. He forgot that Jesus was in control the whole time. You've heard me uh, quote this song before, but it's one of my favorite, and it says it's perfectly, so I'm going to read an excerpt from it. 
When the solid ground is falling out from beneath, from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can, I can feel the rain reminding me. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. The next example is found in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 3. Jared, do you want to get that for me? Jeremiah 1, 18, 1 through 3. Yeah, this is New King James Version. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. The word came from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down. Divine command, human reaction. Then we have Moses. Stephen, you want to read Exodus 4, 19 through 20? The Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life were dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Go return to Egypt, then Moses. He returned. Divine command, human reaction. God laid out their steps, but in every situation, the person still had to go. They had to put forth an effort, because that's where they grow. Last point, and then we're done. The answer to the question from earlier, what's the point? Someone read uh, Revelation 3.20 for me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The point is to be with Jesus. That's it. There's a song that uh, I want to read real quick to close. And it's called Chain Breaker. It goes like this. If you've been walking, listen to the words. It says, if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice telling the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he is a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. The point of life is to be with Jesus, for he is in control of everything. He's a chain breaker, miracle worker, way maker, and prison shaking savior. He is all you will ever need and all you could ever want. So I end with a question. What are, who are you today? Are you like the person from our story? You're in the wheelchair just content to stay in your safety net? You can still move, no big deal. You know what you need to do, but maybe you can't find the strength to do it. Or are you like Peter and you've taken the first step? You've left your safety net 
and you, you're running towards Jesus for a little <coughs> while, but you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. You've started noticing the waves and the power of the wind. You've started noticing the chaos around you, forgetting to look at Jesus. And maybe you have started sinking. Reach out once again to Jesus. He'll save you. It said that when Peter cried out, Jesus immediately grabbed him and saved him. It didn't say that he waited until he was like really desperate and you know about to drown. No, it says immediately when Peter asked him, he reached out and he saved him. Are you basing how good God is off the waves that are happening around you right now? Or are you looking ahead where you know Jesus is, knowing that he is in control of everything always, of everything you're going through, all the storms, all the uncertainty, all the chaos. He is always in control. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for uh, the attentiveness and for helping us get through uh, this lesson, for helping me get through this lesson. Um, God, I thank you for all the times that I have gone through pain and suffering and you have come right there alongside me and held my hand and walked through it with me. Thank you for always being there and for always grabbing me out of the waters and saving me. I pray that you would help us as we go forward, uh, Lord, to not look at the waves around us, not look at the wind and the power of our situation, the power of the struggles we're going through, but that we would keep our eyes firmly set on you, looking at the power of Jesus, who conquered sin, death, sickness, the grave, all of it. I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you, God, for that is where our strength comes from. I thank you that even in the eye of the storm, you are still in control, and that even though we may be going through a storm and you're letting us go through this trial, you're still in control. You're just wanting to see, are we going to look at the wind around us or are we going to keep our eyes on you and remain faithful? Because when you get back to our home, to our boat that we're living in, uh, our lives, the wind stops. Because it has to obey you as everything in creation does, as you are God Almighty. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that gives us power uh, over sickness and over uh, death and, and uh, all the evil spirits of this world, God, that you give us power over it all. Thank you for all these people uh, that are seeking you, God, and that are looking for you in every situation. I pray that you would keep us safe tonight, and I thank you for always being a good, good father to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we got sorry? Do we have sorry? Who wants I don't know. <laughs> we got snacks, though.